Hi, I'm Bregan Jane. I am John Shaloni with Tom Stringer Design Partners. I'm Roz Murphy with Roz Murphy Design out of Dallas, Texas. Hi, I'm Christine Vroom with Christine Vroom Interiors. And you're listening to Convo by Design. Convo by Design. Convo by Design. I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design. And today, I'm just having a chat with a friend. One that I want to share with you because my friend Charles is one of the best brand ambassadors in the business I know. He's a marketer and promoter in the very best sense of the words. This is Charles Miller. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you 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 already know my my background. I wanted to share a story though that I don't think I've shared on Convo by Design before. Growing up in LA, I was a huge fan of radio since since I can remember. That's how I wound up in broadcast for, for the first 20 plus years of my career. When I was in college, I was interning at KLOS, a legendary radio station in Los Angeles. My internship was with The Mark and Brian Show, one of the biggest radio shows in LA history. One day, my my job, which changed from day to day, my job was to escort and assist a very young and newly minted boxing champ named Mike Tyson around the station for the day when he came in with his promoter, Don King, to to plant a tree for Arbor Day. So <laughs> it was a morning show, and we we did bits, and this was a bit. Um, it was Arbor Day, and Mike Tyson and Don King were coming in, and it's like, hey, let's let's have him plant a tree for Arbor Day. It was stupid, yes, but it, it it got fun. I handed Mike and Don King the shovel, and they looked at each other and just laughed and watched me while I planted the tree. I I got a chance though when they were in studio being interviewed. I got I got to follow King and Tyson around all morning, and I watched in awe. As Don King did his Don King thing, one of the best promoters I have ever witnessed in my life, singular in focus at the moment. He had nothing else in his life at that moment but Mike Tyson. He espoused the virtues, sidestepped the unimportant, and made sure to drive every campaign with purpose and passion. That was a long time ago, and I remember it today like it was yesterday. This is... This is, I think I, I've told Charles this story, but this is how I think about my friend Charles Miller. For those in Southern California design and architecture, you know Charles. He is a fixture at every event. He's there. He's as creative as any designer or artistic as any artist, but his creativity takes the form of ideas that drive brand awareness and engagement for his branded clients. It is most certainly an art form, one for which I have a, a, a very strong admiration, and, and Charles is one of the best. And if you know him, you know I'm right. If you don't know him, allow me to introduce you, and you'll see what I mean. And we're going to get to my conversation with Charles Miller right after this. I am incredibly proud of Convo by Design in year 10, and I'm equally proud of my partnership with Thermosol. They've been presenting partners of Convo by Design for three years now, and there is a certain amount of pride that comes with saying that the show is presented by the company that is the best in the world at what they do. 
Thermosol engineers the most exceptional smart shower products and steam shower systems worldwide for a few reasons. They were the first company to design patent the technology here in the U.S. dating back to 1958. Thermosol, a U.S. brand, a U.S. manufacturer in Round Rock, Texas, employs an engineering team that designs, tests, and continuously refines the product. Their quality control team tests every single steam generator before it departs the factory. Who else does that? Nobody. I have had the pleasure of working with some world-class designers and architects who tell me And you probably know this, that the idea of luxury has changed and continues to change, especially when clients want a spa-like bathroom. Steam is mandatory. Or it's just not considered a a, a luxury space. And if you want to add steam, you have one true option. It's Thermosol. And now, Thermosol, the industry leader in steam, bath equipment, and technology since 1958, is enhancing their already stellar family of products with new indoor and outdoor luxury saunas. Available in three design configurations, each sauna is handcrafted from clear western red cedar or Nordic spruce, inspired by the brilliance of northern European sauna technology and design. A luxury bathroom isn't luxury without steam. If you want luxury, you have one option. It's Thermosol. Check them out at thermosol.com and at thermosol on the socials. You know, before before I hit the little red button, you and I are talking a little bit as I as I always love to do, and and so many things kind of kind of come out of those conversations before I hit record. And one of the places I wanted to start with you, for those who who don't know you, you know, in Southern California and California architecture design communities, you you are a celebrity you are well known <laughs> you are the man i don't i don't know um you know outside of that ecosystem and i want to talk to you about that too how many people outside of that know you but you and i have something in common and and that is that um what you do didn't exist prior to you creating that situation you and i both operate in space in the industry that that did not that was not inhabited it did, did not exist before we created it you in particular you created this brand ambassador geography this space this environment for yourself and what you do for your clients is amazing and and what's interesting too is even as as modern as the industry is today your position does not exist currently in in other markets equal to you know the size of LA or maybe a little bit smaller so with that and with that build up how do you define what you do and how did you get there to begin with so um first thinking thank you for having me on Josh it's uh, been a long time coming uh and I'm really grateful for this moment. Uh, But to answer your question, uh, you know, I can't take full credit for being the architect of it, so to speak. Um, What I can take credit for is uh, my intangible skill set that I'd like to think is um, sort of genetically uh, brought to me through my mother and people, places, and things that I've been fortunate enough to be around and absorb um, and apply. Um, and so, uh, you know, I also have to give a shout out to, uh, one of my former, uh, employers, Ferguson, uh, who actually, uh, put me in the initial position, uh, to get the visibility. Um, and, you know, 
I took it from there in terms of engaging in the industry. As you know, I was not uh, you know, from the design uh, sector um, per se. Um, I have a great sense of design, fashion, style, um, et cetera. Um, but I was not a, you know, quote unquote insider, um, uh, but I was able to gain access. Um, I've tried to trademark this, this statement or this title. I'd like to call it Insta Rapport is what I have uh, and trying to just go right in and have that, have always had that magnetism um, in terms of attracting uh, the right human beings, I would say, um, and then sort of being able to identify you know, um, how to benefit all that that I engage and hopefully receive some benefit in return. And so, um, you know, always have to, you know, celebrate Ferguson for giving me that initial opportunity. Um, their visibility gave me the credibility that I have today, I'd like to say. Um, and then, like I said, a lot of it from there just becomes your own secret special sauce. You know, I have uh, a lot of people that say, hey, you know, you're sharing too much of this, that, or the other in your consultations. And I go, well, you know, I don't know that the formula is some sort of rocket science situation. Uh, but what I do know in most instances, I go uh, with some of my larger clients to go, well, how do you do X, Y, and Z? Because um, the how matters. Um, but I go, well, you know, most of it's proprietary and without sounding arrogant or, you know, conceited or some other term of that nature, I go, it's largely me. You know, it's my ability, um, the trust that I have, the respect that I've gained over the last seven, eight years in this industry. Um, as you and I always talk about, I think it's... Um, sort of an unwavering commitment to authenticity um, and being, you know, really genuine about, uh, you know, the campaigns that I'm going, whether it's just, you know, exploring something or, you know, trying to create content. You know, I get that. Um, digging a little bit deeper on that whole concept, though, you know, it's really interesting. Something you, you mentioned is, you know, it's, a, it's about you and the authenticity behind it. Um, my background too is not from design and architecture. You know, I come from broadcast um, and it's really interesting because in broadcast, there's kind of like, there's kind of this unwritten rule where it's a, it, everyone's in a race to come in second. <laughs> nobody, nobody wants to be the first person to do something. Nobody wants to be the first person to trailblaze and put in the expense and the cost and the effort and the sweat equity to go do something that nobody else is doing. They want someone else to go put in all the work and then they want to see what they did come in after and just kind of copy that and hope it works out for them. And it, you know, what's really interesting is when I came into the business, I, I came in eyes wide open, just in, in this sense of, of awe and wonder. And I've worked with magazines. I'm still kind of surprised that the majority of the the push, if you will, comes from the magazines um, because that's it's not that it's antiquated. We're we're visual media. We're you know we're a visual industry, but when you look at sort of the how influence is generated, and and let's be let's be honest, we trade in influence. That is that is the stock and trade. That is what we do. We create, share, um, manufacture, and promote influence. And when I came into the biz, 
I would, people would say, so how do you do this? And to, you know, you got to remember, I, I was doing a podcast in 2013. Nobody in our industry knew what a podcast was. And I would walk <laughs> up to designers and say, hey, I would love to have you on my podcast. And they're like, oh my gosh, that's great. Hey, what's a podcast? <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and by the way, I still have to answer that every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting because you were one of the you were one of the people that that I met early on. Um, and I remember a breakfast, uh, you, myself and Sean Thompson. And um, we just had such a, this great conversation. And we were talking about, you know, you were explaining sort of how you got into the business and you you come from this this fashion background and this. How did that define what you do now. And I think it's really important because as we kind of, uh, you know, unpack all this, what you do for brands, like for example, um, with Monogram, you know, I want to, I want to talk about them a little bit and some of the things that you do because you're, you're groundbreaking and, and that breaking of, of new ground, new territory turns it directly into sales, which is kind of like that is the holy grail for everyone who's in the industry right now is trying to figure out how to convert influence into sales, right? And you've you've picked up on some tactics, some ideas, and some strategies over time. In Southern California, in California at design events, you are a fixture. Everyone knows you. You know everyone. And you've been able to sort of leverage that influence into sales. How do you do that? Where did that start? Well, I think first was understanding my mission, uh, you know, because as you know, in our industry, I mean, who doesn't love a good party, right? So, uh, you know, what, what I, you know, my sort of direct speak, if you will, in terms of getting my partners to understand, listen, it's not necessarily about um, the volume of attendance, you know, it's about a identifying the right people, you know, what their purposes are, um, and then uh, additionally understanding those follow-up components. I think that's what a lot of it is, Josh, is that people um, sort of overlook or are unaware is probably a better term of the key elements of uh, what we do. I think of even being an influencer, brand ambassador, uh, et cetera, is, okay, you know, there's all these sort of coined terms, you know, ROI and, and impressions and all these things. And I go, okay, that's cute. And it makes you sound like you know what you're talking about, um, where we all know it is very difficult. In fact, I just had a, a uh, conversation with someone recently about quantifying ROI and how difficult it actually can be. Um, but what my rebut was, Listen, I consider, you know, uh, exposure ROI. I consider being in relevant places ROI. I consider um, the opportunity to uh, meet new, um, new, new brands, new developers, new designers who might be unfamiliar uh, with you um, and how that product placement um, can change the perception of who you are. Uh, because, you know, there's a term that, you know, we used to use at another company and it was preferred. And so, you know, for me, it becomes, you know, really understanding uh, sort of psychologically, you know, how we consume uh, in this market 
Um, and I'm talking about the great United States of America, you know, because I've run into uh, potential clients that are from other countries and I've had to explain to them, hey, you know, that's that's a great concept that you just gave me, but you're going to have some some challenges. You know, I'm not telling them, you know, that they can't succeed. But what I try to explain to them is, look, there's a certain way and, and I'm don't get me wrong. I am uh, I reject absolute isms, Josh, like anybody that comes with, to me with absolutely this. I'm like, okay, buddy, you know, hold on here. Like there's, 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 there's no such thing, you know, uh, other than some things that I won't dive into, but, uh, and that's the end of our story. That's absolute. The rest of it in between, uh, you never know, you know, so I'm not here to say that you can't, you know, do things different ways. But I think for me, one of the things that I would really attribute my success to is that comprehension um, through um, what I do know. You know, one of my my old uh, mentors is on the Apple board, uh, Ron McJunkin, and uh, he and I used to work together at a, another company. And uh, he used to tell me, Charles, success comes from knowing. And he used to say, what do you know? And he actually referenced his time. Well, he was at on the Apple board at the time. And he said, we're successful because what we're, we know what, so that's why they don't have a thousand SKUs there. You know, they've got the, you know, the pad and the phone and a couple other things, you know, and because they know they've built that community. Um, and so, you know, you know, speaking of that, it's also me being aware of that. Okay. I've got this community. I'm getting, uh, valuable um, feedback, which is another thing that I've sort of changed their um, psychology around, which is understanding, listen, I've, I've found it to be more valuable uh, in identifying what they're not digging per se, or why they aren't doing business with you uh, to be more valuable than the why they are. You know, it's like, okay, because you can, you know, hopefully just make a pivot and, you know, be on the path of uh, whether it's, you know, uh, signing up for a subscription, uh, you know, services, products, et cetera. Um, but I've told them, I'm like, hey, you know, that's just as valuable. And I think, again, because of the trust that I've built and the reputation that people, you know, will come to me and, uh, you know, not trying to be disrespectful, but they'll say, you know, they'll tell, give me the whys and then I can bring that back. And then they have final right of refusal to say, Hey, look, this is within our wheelhouse or it isn't. And we move forward and say, well, that actually that's not our audience or, you know, identify, you know, what else we can do. So um, it's, I, I just think that um, there's a combination of things. I always tell people it's really like a hybrid sort of situation that I'm in and it's very I'm very adaptable. Again, just kind of going back to this whole absolutism. I don't go in thinking, well, it's got to go this way and it has to be done. It has to be said. I'm like, well, you know, I'm able to identify, well, that's actually, they are saying the same thing or that actually is what I'm looking for. It's just, you know, it appears to be different, you know, or it sounds a little different, but in its essence, it's, you know, it's what I'm looking for. So that's kind of, you know, how I've gone about it. And again, I think a big part of it is one, you know, when I go in, you know, I'm going in with an open mind and I'm, my purpose is, you know, navigating to get 
you know, what we're looking for, get to that particular goal. You are listening to my conversation with Charles Miller. We will get right back to that in just a second. We are living at a time of incredible growth, both technologically and creatively, with respect to interior design, exterior design, and architecture. There is no question. There are companies thinking differently about the business of design and how to make products super serve those for whom they're being made. One of those companies, and one of my favorites, is Moya Living, designer and fabricators of some of the most stunningly beautiful, incredibly durable, and highly functional kitchen, bath, and outdoor kitchen cabinetry on the market today. Powder-coated steel with stunning lines, vibrant colors to fit any design style or aesthetic. A history of designing cabinetry for the scientific community, so you know it's been tested in some of the truly the most harsh conditions available. Moya O'Neill is the CEO and founder of Moya Living. She's the inspiration behind the design. Designers, their specification process is so simple. It will make your job so much easier. Check them out online through the socials at Moya Living, their website, moyaliving.com, and in the real world, their live kitchen showroom in Fountain Valley, California. Convo by Design is more than just a podcast. I'm not sure if you know that. I have spent the past 10 years building a production company and consulting firm that develops brand ambassador programs, CEUs, live event programming, as well as branded content for companies in the design and architecture industry, including designers, architects, furnishing companies, showrooms, and others in the trade. We have content producer talent in every region of the country and can help you grow your design business through brand development campaigns, social media, and CEU content development and production, as well as content consulting and live event programming to help you build strong and meaningful partnerships that will help you grow and strengthen your design business. For more information, message me at Convo by Design with an X on Instagram or email me Convo by design at outlook.com. C-O-N-V-O-B-Y-D-E-S-I-G-N at outlook.com. I want to actually back backtrack a little bit on something that you said. You know, you were talking about um, quantification, right? And attribution and ROI. Um, I think that there are some people in our in our in our industry who still don't understand um, what ROI is or what it means. <laughs> Quite frankly, uh, return return on investment is is ROI, and that doesn't mean like it's so funny. In my broadcast days, Charles, it was like I would talk to a senior media supervisor, and they would say our our ROI against this buy for Ford, Chevy, Home Depot, Coke, whomever is you know we need. Um, we need five to one, we need 10 to one, we need 15 to one. So in other words, for every dollar they spend, they need to see $15, $10, $8 come back. Okay, well, the next step in that is, well, what's, what's the attribution? How do you attribute that? Is it goodwill? Is it actual sales? Is it, and if it is actual sales, how do you quantify the actual sales that, and, and it's funny because I, I've been, I've been really looking forward to this conversation with you since As we scheduled it, since we scheduled it. And I'll tell you why, because well, I love having design and architecture conversations. I love digging in. Um, I was talking to a designer 
last week where one of his projects just totally excited me. And I, I just, I wanted to get into his space and figure, how did you do that? Why that millwork? Why that, you know, why that transom? And how did you put it together? And it was so much fun. I love doing that. But this, I love doing this. This is the same thing to me as breaking down design. This is breaking down the business of design. And it's really funny because we're in a space right now. And I think you probably know this, you know, post pandemic, many people, if you go to LinkedIn, have added the word coach to their titles. I'm a business coach. Okay. You're, you're a former designer. (laughs) <laughs> and now you're a business coach. I look, if you want to create that space for yourself, knock yourself out. But that is that to me is tantamount to, you know, the way I see it as someone who designs their bedroom and then goes out and hangs a shingle and calls themselves an interior designer. Agreed. You didn't do you didn't do the work to right. learn the business. You don't understand right. why color means what color means and how to figure out what color is really true in what kind of light. You know, there is a skill to what amazing designers and architects actually do. 100%. 100%. And the same kind of practice goes on where someone will just go, okay, well, now post-pandemic, I don't have any design work, so now I'm a design coach and I'm going to tell you how to... And you know what? Do your thing. But at the end of the day, there is a there is a science to ROI and attribution of return on investment and quantification and qualification. Like you can remember the days of doing just big parties where it's like you just order a bunch of liquor and a bunch of food and send out a blast to everyone you know on your database and you'll bring them to a showroom and it was a success, right? That's not how it works anymore. Right. Knowing that, um, one of the things that that you do exceptionally well is, and I've been on the other side of this, so I've got I've had a chance to see it, and I want to know where this comes from. The manner in which you break down quantifying, and the manner in which you deconstruct a return on investment, and the manner in which you map out, you know, attribution. Specifically, I think it's really important specifically to define it for the architecture and design community and what you do for your clients. It's not enough just to reach someone on Instagram. It's how you reach them on Instagram. It's not enough to do an event for designers and architects. It's the the conversations that you're having at those events. Where did that start? And and how how do you break that down? How do you define it? How do you structure it for your clients who at the end of the day are like, I just have to turn this into sales? <laughs> well, so first and foremost, I've sort of uh, changed how I describe it. Um, so the primary term that I use that is most appropriate is campaign. Um, because when you think about a campaign, you think about, you know, hopefully true engagement uh, where you um, sort of are able to share, uh, you know, what your intention is, you know, the uh, what you can do for uh, your audience and uh, and what they can expect from you um, and also try to identify uh, what they need, you know. And so I think that, you know, when you approach it that way, 
you know, people are more open. And then in terms of my client, you know, I get them to understand, listen, I say, you know, there are numerous occasions where you'll go, wow, Charles, that was magical. And I'll go, you know, agreed. But I tell them I'm no uh, magician. I say there, there are no tricks up my sleeve. You know, this, I'm not an illusionist. You know, it's like what you see is real. Um, and there, you know, there's to your point, a lot of work that goes into it. Um, there is, you know, there, it is a science, you know, and, and it's again, uh, looking for, you know, the, the, we used to call them customer cues or, the right, you know, I'm a big reader in body language, which you have to be in any level of, you know, big time sales, which I consider marketing to just be the ultimate level of sales because it's selling the mind, selling, you know, uh, uh, the, you know, the way you think and really ultimately can persuade you for life, you know, to believe in something. Um, and so for me, it's really just having that understanding, making sure that I'm a really clear in conveying uh, the journey that's ahead. You know, again, I don't, you know, go out and say, you know, in fact, I had a client that I said, look, if I could turn your business around in a year, you know, I should, I should be billing you, you know, millions, you know, not what I actually charge. I said, because that would make me, you know, almost an imbecile if I had that capability. And I said, even on Madison Avenue, you know, they're not just, you know, clients aren't coming in and they're saying, hey, in a year, you know, and they've got, data that far exceeds mine. I mean, they've probably got Google level data there, uh, but I'm sure they're still not, you know, making those types of statements. So it's understanding, listen, um, for me, the, the brands that I'm aligned with, like Monogram, like Kohler, um, I believe in who they are as brands, what they stand for, um, and then the journey that they're going on. And so for me, you know, that's equally important. And then again, within that, like a, a Kohler, for example, who has a an incredible marketing strategy. Um, and I'm talking global, you know, we were in China in uh, 2018. And I mean, there's Kohler ads there and Kohler billboards. Um, and, you know, and, they, and again, they're in, at Salone and, and uh, Art Basel, and some of the really chic platforms, you know, they're there. They've identified that. Um, where I have helped them is, you know, understanding some of the narrative that they're they're a very humble company, um, ironically, uh, that does things like shower the homeless and different things that I told them, hey, that shouldn't be a secret, you know, like that should be something that people are aware of. And so I help them again, I help identify things that I think would resonate. Uh, with our community, with uh, humanity at large, you know, and I feel like uh, that's what real branding is today is people need to see elements of themselves in your brand, uh, because that's the, you know, the, the Gen uh, Zier is, you know, my son, they're coming up quicker than the millennial did, like they're the that statement on the side view and rear view where it says objects in the mirror are closer than they appear. And they're demanding it today. You know, they're like, hey, listen, why can't we get this, you know, get the conservation together? Why can't we, you know, uh, you know, use solar power? Why, you know, why are we in a desert and everybody wants a green lawn? It's like, you know what, it doesn't make sense. You know, we should adapt to the environment versus, you know, some of all these bygones on antiquated 
things that are, you know, not making the world a better place, honestly. So, um, so anyway, I try to incorporate uh, a lot of those um, psychologies. Like I, I read someone the other day that I follow on IG and it said that it said all great uh, marketing folks are in essence, philosophers. And I've always considered myself to be, you know, a philosopher. And so I think that, again, it's kind of right in my wheelhouse. And I've, I've just had a uncanny knack of, of fusing that. Because uh, again, I kind of tell people, I say, you know what, for me, it's about lifestyle fusion. So it's, you know, the, the person in the, you know, buying the Truesdale estate home is going to, you know, typically have this type of vehicle, have these types of interests, and um, and then trying to find a way to um, reflect that we understand that um, makes them say, hey, you know what, you do get me. And then that's where relationships are born, because I look at it more like not a purchase, not a transaction, but a relationship. I think you're you're spot on. And and because of that, you're able to get the kind of information that is of value to the clients. And what's what's really interesting about that is, you know, you you talk about it in terms of philosophy and being a philosopher. Um, I have always qualified it as um being a futurist because you know, there's not any any real science to that. I mean, there can be for sure, but it's not about the science of it. It's about looking at where we are and predicting what we're going to want, need in the future, how we're going to live with what and where in the future. You know, that's one of the reasons why right after the pandemic started, I started uh, designing for disaster, which was this series where, you know, when we're locked at home just a, a month or two after the pandemic started, I'm, I'm talking to designers and architects from across the country and around the world saying, what are you seeing? How are you dealing with this? And it was eye-opening how everyone was both similar and completely different in the manner in which that they did what they do. To your point, um, you know, predictability and using the predictive nature of qualifying and quantifying an audience, you know, what kind of qualities are they going to have? Are they, you know, are people who, who buy a, a monogram appliance also, do they have an affinity for a BMW? Do they, you know, it's an, it's an interesting idea. Um, people who buy certain brands, and by the way, there is a science to that. You know, my background in broadcast, we had all of these resources. It was amazing. All of the, the, the data that I had access to saying, you know, if someone is the qualitative information, like here's the quantitative, here's some... In, in a certain region, you know, the, the Los Angeles DMA or T TSA, Total Survey Area, and within the LATSA, what is the amount of residents who, as a family, earn over $400,000 and live in these 25 zip codes and buy a BMW or they buy a monogram appliance. Now you're starting to really drill down and get science for what people buy and, and how they buy it and how they use it. In our industry, it's surprising to me, but there is none of that. And, and there is none of that. <laughs> By the way, it exists, but nobody is subscribing to the services that they provide it because it's very expensive information. 
you know, and the magazines don't buy that information, you know, they'll buy quality, you know, uh, they'll buy competitive information to say, well, if this brand is advertising in this magazine, you know, they could be advertising in ours as well. So they'll send a seller to go sell against them. But that doesn't tell you what the audience is necessarily doing. And I think that it, you know, you and I, and you've filled a void helping brands, you know, in this, you know, we use monogram and color as examples, but you filled a void helping them on a, on a granular level. You know, you're not, you're not necessarily talking about the New York city metro area. You're talking about Southern California and specifically what, what Angelinos want. And there's a huge value to that because one of the numbers, you know, one of the metrics that I've always kept is what's called retail spending power, you know, and the retail spending power is how much do those people spend? And if you, if you break down that number, like I do for clients as well, it's astronomical. And if you can figure <laughs> out how to tap into that person. Right. So that being said, you know, how do you approach a couple of things specifically? The advertising, the social media, the events, because I think, you know, like we covered a little bit, there's value in all of those things. Sure. But it's limited by its capabilities of delivering, you know, back to the attribution and the return on investment. When you're looking at specific elements that contribute to every campaign, how do you evaluate? How do you um, how do you measure one opportunity against another? What do you look for? Um, is it is it specifics that you're looking for? Is it specific designers that you're looking for based on who hires them? What are you looking for? Yeah, so it's fluid. If I'm being honest, again, which is advantageous to me. I mean, for me, you know, I, what I've found is, you know. The, the, you look at from the pandemic, a lot of the massive companies did not survive that because they're not agile. You know, they're like they they've set their their strategy, uh, you know, five years before. And so it's kind of like that Titanic scenario where it's, you know, you think it's unsinkable, but it doesn't have the agility, even though you can see, you know, and, and that may be a little bit of an unfair statement because none of us foresaw what we went through. But what I've what I've found to be astonishing as I drive around our fabulous city here in Los Angeles and how vast and diverse it is, the companies that have survived and endured versus the ones that haven't. And in a lot of respects, it's the smaller, more nimble, flexible, uh, the ones that were willing to adapt and change the way they did business, you know, uh, slightly um, are the ones that are, you know, still. And I mean, there's this we were in the mall doing some holiday shopping recently. And I said, you know, there was a, I'm not going to say the company, but I was like, holy smokes, man. I remember when they were like, you know, people were like, they're going to they're goners, you know, and they're thriving. And I was like, go figure, you know, and I was like, and then there was some noticeably vacant, you know, uh, sort of anchor stores that were not there. And I was just like, holy smokes. And therein lies, you know, why I reject the absolutism thing, because I'm like, you would think all the metrics tell you this company has all the money and blah, 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 blah. But what they didn't have is what was necessary through what we all endured. So for me, I go in 
first and foremost, you know, if I'm doing it from a consultation standpoint, yeah, I need to find out what you're looking for, what your goal is. Uh, and then I can tell you, you know, from my, you know, experience, hey, listen, on the right track or make recommendations or suggestions saying, listen, I, I beg to differ. Um, and then you make a decision and I can go either down reluctantly and say, you know, don't blame it on me or, you know, kind of hopefully have a happy medium somewhere along the line. But in terms of, you know, the various elements um, that you uh, reference, so whether it's social, uh, sort of your conventional marketing, um, et cetera, those are actually all different jobs, you know, like literally I saw something, uh, some people were kind of having a little beef on Twitter this morning and this guy referenced this gal and says, hey, don't you have a job? Like all I see are tweets. And so the person below defended the gal and said, tweeting is a job, you know, it's sharing information. Um, and, you know, there is an ecosystem there today, whether people choose to acknowledge it or not. Um, and so what I really try to convey is in contractually, I will kind of have a hard floor like, OK, this is you. I will do X amount of stories, X amount of posts. But I want to have the liberty um, to, again, be organic. You know, there's some brands that, you know, they want what they want and they it, that's it. And then there's others where I have a blank canvas, which I'm, you know, I kind of do much better there than sort of being, you know, hey, do this or that or the other. But um, but those are those are actually you could be on social all day like that is a job. You know, there are people making money just doing that. So to come in with a cocktail, so to speak, or a a soup, uh, you know, of ingredients uh, is, you know, I mean, there's a lot going on there. So for me, it's just kind of identify, you know, going in, trying to see what the landscape looks like, understanding the elements of that. So um, for modernism, for example, you know, I'm fairly aware of who I can anticipate seeing there. And so I may do some outreach beforehand uh, because we're, you know, we're going to do a cocktail soiree. So again, for me now, the play is, how can I amplify brand, which is always first and foremost for me? Um, and then secondly, what are the elements of that? So it becomes, okay, right people, you know, at the right thing. Um, and then again, understanding, are they uh, engaging? You know, because there are designers out there that are really sort of introverted. And I don't know if aloof is the right term, but although they may have this great brand name, uh, they're not going to do much for you in terms of telling your story um, with enthusiasm, because, again, I believe that that's contagious. You know, if if I've made a great impression with you and I know from your experience, that's part of the game. OK, uh, I remember before we had all these, you know, statistics at the level we have it today, there was one that I was really aware of uh, back when I sold fine jewelry. And it was something like uh, the person that has the great experience for whatever reason, doesn't share it as rapidly as the person who has a contrary experience, experience that doesn't go so well. And so, you know, as we evolved into this era, I remember being uh, at another company and I told them, you know who you need to be weary of? Yelp. I said, because people are pre-shopping you now. And I said, if you think about it logically, why would someone 
you know, come to your place of business if they've read a review that was negative. Like that's all, you know, that's non, uh, you know, does nonsensical, you know, I'm like, whereas if I have a counter one that says, you know, everything was great here, treated me with respect, you know, valued my time, dealt with things ur with urgency, uh, you know, et cetera. Um, so, so yeah, so I, I it, it just depends. I again, I don't go in unless I'm familiar with the uh, with the environment, and even then, things can change on a dime. So you know, I'm constantly again just sort of evaluating, assessing, uh, and then you know, I've kind of gotten to a point now. I think because of you know my reputation and and the uh the lore i have even i think most people understand listen if charles is there it's going to be a um you know sort of a fertile ecosystem whereas you know all that are there there will be opportunities and i think there's value in in that you know who wouldn't want to be in an environment where hey listen you know once i get inside there there's it's up to me i mean i've kind of been wired that way look i don't need you to give me anything but you know i should you know if you can hold that door open so i can i like my chances you know once i get inside you know and so i think that's another thing that has become synonymous with charles in charge uh and the way i operate and so uh you know I, i'll just give a shout out to my friend aaron v who recently uh called and said hey you're going to be down in uh modernism and you know we're we're aligned with her monogram um on a couple of, of extraordinary projects. And so there's synergy there, you know? And so again, I just thought to myself, like when you talk about affirmations of where, you know, one has maybe ascended to, you know, I was at a party recently and somebody said, Charles, look how far you've come like in four years. And I was like, you know, I was like, I kind of have made a little progress here. You know, I, I really don't take time to sort of stop and look at it that way because, you know, I, I feel I still have miles to go before I sleep <laughs> as that statement goes. But, um, but yeah. And, and, and I had a, a publisher or an editor in chief or someone call me as well and bring me some opportunities. And I said, you know, that's again, affirmation of, you know, I think I'm doing the right things the right way. Um, because where other people are seeking a lot of this, Josh, I'm starting to have things brought to me that typically are pay to play opportunities. And I think, you know, taking our conversation around ROI full circle, um, there's people understanding that, that it's always not, okay, I saw this go into my piggy bank. It's like, no, ROI also is you know, the equity that I have to a point where now opportunities that I have sought after are being brought to this guy, you know, and then if even if it's not our jam, as the kids say today, having first right of refusal is, you know, that's the position you want to be in, you know, you want to be, you know, first up, and then it, it's a two things that accomplish there. One, you know, um, I know what's going to be activated, Two, you know, if it's, you know, contrary to your philosophy or sort of campaign or approach, we can come up with a counter or alternate universe, if you will, you know, and which I, you know, I find to be, um, you know, pretty cool. So a couple of things, um, again, to un unpack here, you know, it's really interesting because, you know, you mentioned Aaron V and I, and I love Aaron. Um, she actually was a designer on a design house 
project that I was producing my first actually back in, in 2010. And um, she's a remarkable talent. And yep. it's interesting to see what some of these creatives are able to do with their influence and how they, you know, it's not about a lot of these designers have clients whose homes you'll never see yep. because they've got NDAs and they don't, you don't publish them. They're uber famous and, and super rich and they don't want people looking in their house. And so designers have to figure out how else do I do this without sharing too much. And then you get into the sharing of information and then people kind of bastardize your ideas. Um, it's really, it, it's kind of sad to me. I had, I had a publicist call me the other day um, about wanting to book someone for the show. And she said, we're just curious though, um, because we're not sure that we can afford it. And I was like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not following you. <laughs> and because now, you know, again, when I was doing this in 2013, there were no podcasts out there. So, you know, I'm calling people saying, hey, come on the show. But since then, there's quite a few design podcasts out there and they charge their guests. They don't say that, um, you know, it's the same way that a magazine will have something and it will, you know, it'll read promotional or advertorial, yeah. in which case, you know, that it was a pay to play kind of kind of gig. But I don't charge for my editorial. I've never charged for my editorial. I have never charged someone a fee to be on Convo by Design because I, I do this because I love it because I want to I want to talk to people and it's kind of like the same with you, you know the manner in which you organize your campaigns, your opportunities, your engagement with your clients. I think I, I've I've always admired that um, because you've got great ideas, but what you've also got is a a structure by which you you work with your clients. So, you know, scatter shooting a little bit um, and closing this out, I can't believe we've been at this almost an hour. <laughs> um, uh, I'm curious, your position, your opinion, your take on a couple of things, social media and how not necessarily designers or creatives use it, but how brands are using it most effectively now. Some do it better than others. I think some really get it. Um, I what because what I have concluded, and it's still ongoing, is that there is no real rhyme or reason. I mean, there's all sorts of people out there that'll give you tips on how to grow, how to you know attract and get the impressions, and they're saying you know there's certain things that reference you know it, real engagement and things that don't. But what I found, um, you know, with the growth of TikTok. Uh, even where you think it's just a silly little goofy dance is where I have discovered in the last year that it is so much information on there and they can cut right to the chase, you know, versus, you know, some of these other places where it takes you, you know, so much time to get these things. So I think it's in a lot of instances, uh, you know, understanding you don't not to take yourself too seriously. I think it's more about, you know, a big part of my philosophy is frequency. You know, I think frequency matters. And I think that's part of the algorithm. You know, I've even slowed down because it is draining, you know, to be on there and, you know, trying to put something, you know, quote unquote, cool on there every day. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that what I tell my clients is it's it's a necessity. Like you can't, you know, you can't just not be there. You know, the people that because there's still a, a I'd say in the 30 percentile 
a third of, you know, the market is still like, oh, I don't do that. I don't know. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, you can't, you know, you can't just ignore it, you know, um, even if you're posting once a week or something, you've got to be, because what I have found is, you know, uh, you know, I've, I've attended all, you know, real estate uh, events, um, all different types, mostly design centric. But, um, you know, when you look at uh, the mechanisms that people are utilizing to identify who you are, now it's, you know, it might be LinkedIn first, then it's IG. Then it's like, I asked this, this, this guy, he was a younger guy, but I said, you know, he came over and paid me a compliment on my fit. And then I said, oh man, you know, let me get your number. And he goes, oh, it was almost like he was like body language. He was like, hey, what's your LinkedIn? Like, yeah, we don't do numbers, you know? And I just found that to be really interesting because he didn't say that, but his body language said it and he didn't give me his phone number. <laughs> so I just thought, okay, that's a generational thing. But it's again, understanding, you know, how how things operate today. You know, like I had uh, someone uh, send me a post for a digital card the other day. And I said, oh, I'm aware of those, but I'll stick with the conventional. I said, there's something about feeling something. And I get so many responses when I do hand them out. And I said, frankly, um, when you're in sort of that speed dating environment, if you will, that you're navigating through and you're trying, oh, there's Josh Cooperman. I want to go over and introduce myself for Convo by Design or, you know, uh, this is Charles from Monogram or Kohler. Uh, a lot of times by the end of the night, you, you know, without that card, it can be difficult to follow up. And I'm always thinking about follow up, you know, and again, that's another element that I I tell people that they get from from me is I say, you know, you've done all the right things, but where's your follow-up component? You know, I'm boots on the ground. I'm the guy that can come back and say, hey, you know what, how are things are going and and that sort of thing, which I think is really valuable. Totally agree. And um, I totally appreciate the time today. This was so much fun and so long overdue. Um, Charles, thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on today. Thank you, Josh. <laughs> Design Hardware's newly remodeled showroom is where you will find a gallery-style space with a thoughtful display of products, purposefully positioned to allow unbridled exploration and discovery. High-end faucets, luxury tile, natural stone, wood floors, and bespoke hardware selections are presented in a holistic manner, strategically arranged to stimulate creativity and transition your vision from the conceptual stage to a fully realized space. Conveniently located, free parking available, stop by to find your inspiration, Collect samples, get expert advice, and tackle everything on your shopping list all in one place. Visit them online at designhardware.com or in the real world, 6053 West 3rd Street in Los Angeles. Charles, thank you. I appreciate you, buddy. Um, well done. You are one of the best at what you do, and I, I appreciate it. Thank you to Convo by Design partners and sponsors, including Thermosol, Moya Living, Design Hardware. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to download, subscribe, and listen to the show. I appreciate you, and I hope this show helps you do that thing you do better. For more information about the show, about what we do here at Convo by Design, check the show notes for links and ways to connect. Until next week, be well, and take today first. 